0: Happy New Year and welcome back to the Marketing While Marginal podcast, a show brought to you by InCrowd, a team of marketing experts here to challenge the status quo in advertising and marketing. My name is Debbie St. Clair, aka The Accounts Whisperer.
1: And I'm Bree, aka The Social Media Snack.
0: We have a really exciting show for you today, but first, Brie, what's going on in the industry for the new year so far? <laughs> I, f- <laughs> 20- <laughs>
1: I hate to be so dramatic, but 2023 leading into 2024, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but DE&I is kind of dying right now. According to the Pew Research Center, there's a lot of divide uh, across American attitudes with DEI being at work. In fact, although a majority of Americans employed believe that focusing on DEI work is super important, 56% of them actually are down with the cause. But uh, only hmm. 3 in 10 place a high importance on workplace diversity. So... Again, wow. the math is not <laughs> mathing. And I'm sure Teresa has a lot of insight on this, but I don't think leaders really realize how removing DE&I uh, really affects their business as a whole, not just uh, when it comes to sales, but just their culture uh. Oh sorry to this child mm. <laughs> but just to break it down a little further 54% of americans think that de and i is the right move while 14% thinks we're doing it too much and 15% think we're not doing enough so if that gives any insight as to how split the divide is the numbers just don't mm-hmm. lie but deb thoughts on this mm.
0: I feel like I said this on the last pod, but not surprising. I think that's going to be like what I end up saying every episode that's your tagline. I feel like it's that effect that we felt after Obama left office where we felt like we were like change was here and we were We were running know, around the hall making the saying see some wet yes Right. Oh. We were all like kumbaya holding hands, happy that brands were really starting to like come on board with this yep. and then there you go with CEOs and and, and and big influential figures making these types of problematic, you know, announcements. So, again, not surprising. It is a little bit hurtful, but it's a, it, it takes teams like ours yeah. to keep trucking ahead and doing what's necessary to create, like I said in the last ap- episode, um, to create the opportunities for ourselves. We need to stop asking for opportunities. It's just... You know, at the end of the day, we got to create our own table. Same thing I said last time, mm-hmm. but um, I'm not going to let it get me down. For me, it's just noise. Yeah, It doesn't negate a lot of what we've done and the progress that we've done so far. So miss me with all that. I mean, next. I
1: feel the same way. It's giving Nicki Minaj. You can't get rid of me. You can't get rid of me. <laughs> at the end of the day, we're here. And like Sammy Sweetheart mm-hmm. said from Jersey Store, and I'm staying. Mm-hmm. Alright. <laughs> Alright.
0: Period. 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 So thank you for that, Brie. Um it's it does feel like sometimes the tea is always a little sour. <laughs> I know. But you know, I like I'm one of those uh, people that always just think the Like I'm one of those, I guess they're calling us toxic positive now, but I always think like there's a way forward. I always think there's a light at the end of the table. What is toxic
2: positive?
0: Yeah. So there's this whole thing about toxic positive positivity where people are always like, well, on the brighter side of things, you know, so there's been conversation about how toxic positivity could be a bit dismissive. It could create, um, create, you know, a world where people aren't really being rooted in reality. And so I am, um, not ashamed to admit that I like to have my heads in the cloud and the way I see the world is way more positive than it is, you know? So even when the tea's a little sour, I do feel that at the end of the day, the brands that do support DEI, the brands that, um, You know, are really showing up and trying to be intentional and be true allyship um, that they will prevail, you know, and all these other little toxic brands, (laughs) you know, will kind of fade around in the in the background. Um, So this episode, I just want to talk a little bit about this episode. So we were thinking about uh, you and me, we, we talked about this and our team about just kind of the lessons that we got from 2023 and we try to think of some recommendations and some tips that we can share with our audience um, listeners um, on, a, on a way forward, especially when you're looking um, uh, uh, from the, the different positions that each of us hold. For example... I'm in advertising, but I'm in the account world. You're in social media. And then we'll also, you know, open it up to a round table, get the production standpoint, the executive leadership standpoint and the DI standpoint. So I really wanted to take this time and just talk to you, right? You and me as the as the co-host of this pod, how was 2023 for you? And talk about some lessons you learned from 2023 and how those lessons will shift and has shifted into kind of some recommendations you have uh, for all of those people that are in the social world. I think for me,
1: my one of my biggest lessons is to excuse my language. If I have a really good idea, and even though I feel like I'm like questioning how good of an idea it is, throw the shit at Mm -hmm. the damn wall because it may stick. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mm, yes. Mm-hmm. Like that is for for sure what I learned in 2023. I think based off of the success of the filters last year, 2023 was definitely the age of the filters for our agency as a whole. We really showed up and showed mm-hmm. out uh, on how to leverage uh, that capability in app, which is mm-hmm. something that not that many brands were leveraging. So it really highlighted the fact that our agency was really innovative. So just from a social perspective, if you find that or stumble upon a new feature that you want to leverage, a new idea Mm -hmm. that you want to pitch to your team, don't question yourself or be like, "Oh, this may get shot down," and just throw that idea in the trash because you never know how successful mm-hmm. it may be. And when I'm talking about successful, I'm talking about six million view number number count, thirteen uh, k pieces of content created. So, right
0: again, you got to trust so your gut. So, for the people, can you talk a little bit about what you you mean by filters? You know, the social, the social media queens and girls and gents will understand what you mean. But for our um, listeners that aren't in the marketing, advertising, or social world, what are you talking about when you talk about filters? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, TikTok and Instagram they actually provide a new capability. Will provided a capability last year was the rollout where users Mm -hmm. can create their own interactive filters on both platforms, leveraging specific editing tools from those platforms. So TikTok has something called Effect House and Meta has their Mm -hmm. own editing tool made specifically for you to create uh, filters on that platform. And what's super dope about it is the fact that it's, Really, it's a great way for you, your brand to get involved in the TikTok community specifically because TikTok, mm-hmm. they'll tell you if you're going to buy advertisement with them or work with them in any way, shape or form as a brand, they'll tell right. you, do not make advertisements, make TikTok. TikTok is a place for okay. engagement and entertainment and and that's what people mm-hmm. come to the platform to do. So if you're not leveraging your brand in those two ways, in an engaging and entertaining mm-hmm. way, you've already lost your audience.
0: Right. Anything else, though, that you learned last year? Lessons? Oh, um,
1: I know.
0: I You and I had a rough health year. uh. <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm trying to ease into that conversation. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm going to just do
1: it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I had a rough mm-hmm. health year. So, definitely, <laughs> I know specifically for people in social media because this is all this is going to come from a social perspective, we mm-hmm. have a tendency to work 24/7. It's hard mm. for us to differentiate personal social media consumption To work social media consumption. I know if I'm looking at content, some of my clients, I am the consumer for some of my clients. So if I find content that I love, I'm going to say, oh my gosh, this is on my personal FYP. How do I leverage this for my brand rather than receiving it? And swiping up for my own personal gain. So finding that sweet spot was definitely Mm -hmm. a learning curve for me at this point. I literally just block my calendar. I have my quiet morning time. I know I'm nuts. I get up at 5.30 a.m. every morning. But that time Mm -hmm. at one point, I was just doing work. Now she's not working at 5.30 a.m., I love that for pretending you to start at nine. <laughs> We're not I doing that thing. anymore. <laughs> but Deb, how about what about mm-hmm. you? Because I know you had a few learning lessons.
0: Listen, I think my biggest lessons is that you can always revert to your old ways. So yeah. I would say mm-hmm. In my late 20s, early 30s, and I'm going to call it, I'm a 37-year-old woman, <laughs> but in my early 20s and my early 30s, I had this really, um, this unhealthy mentality when it came to work, just really like, I need to get everything done today. There's no tomorrow. Yep. And I may, you know, I may pretend as this, oh, I'll get this to you in two days, but I'm trying to get it done today. You know, and so there was an overachieving you said, aspect the devil to that. Did there was
1: today. yeah, mm-hmm.
0: and that mm-hmm. came from and and I know a lot of black women and black men can re- relate, but that came yeah. from I don't want them to see me slipping. Yep. So then, when that wasn't sustainable. I went on my uh uh-uh, uh. Why am I doing this? No, yeah. like I'm I'm gonna stop. So I tr- what that year that I decided that I wasn't going to have these toxic work traits anymore. I went to Bali. I went to um, <laughs> New Zealand. I was traveling. I was putting in my vacation time. I I was meditating. I was exercising exercising. I was eating healthy. Yeah. And then slowly I started to see myself get back into those toxic habits. Mm. And then when it came to working on, um, with the in-crowd team, um, it was more so about making sure that I kept up my end of what I need to do. So us as a black collective, you know what I mean, aren't slipping. And so um, my main thing that I took away from that is, I got I got some tips for you guys. As an account person, I three things, right? And that's health and wellness. You have to come first. You have to make sure that you're taking your walks. You have to make sure that you're eating. You have oh, yeah. to make sure that's that important. you're, you know, you're having some focus periods so you can actually work, especially in the world of agency life. Bree, you just touched on it, being a social media manager. Um, senior social media manager, but at the end of the day, the account role, I can only speak from the account perspective and we're oftentimes that central figure. Mm -hmm. So we're talking to the creative teams. We're making sure the clients are happy. We're talking uh, to finance and making sure that everything on the books makes sense. And then there's another piece of it where we're trying to get New business, new clients mm-hmm. for the companies. And so it's constant sensory overload. Yeah. And that's how I also just found myself in this like hole of just nonstop working and not even getting up to go, you know, um, take a walk. So what happened is I ended up, you know, having a a pinched nerve, herniated disc just from sitting you know, and people are like, how do you get that just from sitting? So that's my main thing. Health and wellness. If you're in the account world, project management world, templatize, templatize, templatize. Mm-hmm. You know, try to templatize your decks, your trackers, your Excel docs so that you could reuse them so that you're not recreating the wheel yeah. each time. And then streamline your com- communications on the account. end. like I just said, you know, we're always talking to so many people. Try to figure out one or two, three, two, two max, I feel, yeah. mode of communication so that you're not literally like bird brain, you know, <laughs> trying to talk on so many different mediums. So that's like kind of what I, you know, would offer to our listeners is that at the end of the day, you only have one person. It's only you. Take care of yourself. Nobody's going to take care of you better than yourself. Yeah,
1: Deb, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Finding that balance is is super important, especially when you work in our line of work. But I definitely want to open up the floor to the rest of our team members, mm-hmm. just because they're gonna have other insights that we may not have, but would be helpful to our listeners out there. So love to open up the floor. Um, actually, I'd love to start with the Gen Z perspective. Mm. Ari, (laughs) what are your um, insights and updates for 2024?
3: Well, I mean, there's been a lot of mishandlings in marketing. Um, There always are. And particularly with Gen Z, um, recently a brand had just come off of like a huge... Uh, December trip with a bunch of black influencers and it was very Gen Z targeted. They were sent to Africa for dedi December, which is like, a huge, huge deal um, just across the diaspora and the creators that ended up going were also Black people across the diaspora. Um, You know, they were wearing their skincare out in public at the club. So it was just very much (laughs) at the club. Yes, child. It's it's a new (laughs) era. And so, you know, we're not afraid to be outside wearing stickers that also, you know, help our acne on our face. We're not afraid to, you know, Look, quote unquote, unkempt. So, I think with my recommendations, for one, I would recommend that people de center the current version of themselves when marketing to Gen Z. I very much feel Mm. like some marketers are, they very much are thinking, oh, well, if I were this age, I'm like, when you were that age, Mm. you did not have trolls on social media. You did not have mm-hmm. people taking right. a picture of you at the club waiting for <laughs> you to mess up a TikTok dance. So listen to the living, mm. breathing youngsters who will be concise about how they want to be marketed to. If you don't get the concept, great, because you're not the audience. So trust your young marketers anyway. We know our people. Um, my second thing is not every trend can or should become a campaign. Uh, the concepts that, that part, oh, right. yeah, yeah, I agree with that because I love it when people
1: just hop on stuff just to hop on stuff. It's like, ooh, we didn't celebrate the minorities this month, let's hop on Hispanic Heritage <laughs> Month, let's hop on mm-hmm. Black History Month, Juneteenth. Oh, we here, and girl. Here we pride. Are. How are you doing? so no (laughs) be
3: who you are Uh, for your pride pride. exactly (laughs) there is a huge lack of being intentional so just because there are concepts that help creators take off that doesn't mean it will help your brand take off we are not the same they are not the same The most relatable marketing concepts often tend to be kind of low lift, but very cost effective. But brands, if you have the money, spend it. Show me the money. Mm. Marketing Mm. today Mm. for Gen Z, Mm. it is a form of entertainment. It's practically live theater. So if it's done right and well, we are going to talk about it. And we're going to talk about how well or not well you did your marketing on social media, so
0: mm-hmm.
3: keep that in mind.
1: I love that live theater por- portion. It reminds me of that line from Hamilton Look around,
3: look around. Look around. Right. And there's not enough Gen Z. Not the happening.
2: vocals. I was about to say, Brie is in a singing mood today because we have got <laughs> snippets of every song ours. across the board. So I'm going to wait for that Beyonce <laughs> one. Please make sure you get her plugged in here somehow. Thank you. We live. And then my last piece of advice
3: is choose the neighbor over the influencer. And what I mean by that is that Gen Z is very much craving mm. more community mm. third spaces mm-hmm. or like-minded individuals and we're not trying to be as aspirational as the generations before us it's starting to dwindle and we're right. more we're more receptive soft life right soft life means <laughs> right. immediately <Soft> right life <laughs> immediately we're more receptive mm-hmm. to people in and out of our generation but we're more into influencers who are not pushing product, or who I like to call product pushing influencers. Everything from tarot card readers, activists, book talk, bookish people, those creators, those information sharers, those message pushers, they are the new influencers because they are trying, they're not trying to sell you a product. They're trying to sell you something that already aligns with your beliefs. And so when, like I said, back to it's the theater These influencers are the actors and you're the people who can give them the main stage.
4: Welcome to the main stage of RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, great point. I love the main stage. Great
1: point. I love a good RuPaul reference, you know, you
0: know. And a quick, before we go over that real quick, a quick um, shout out to what you said about budget. Brands need to open up their budget. So great points, Ari. Great
3: points. The money. Where's the money?
0: Hands up, cash out. Where's the money? But
3: yeah, that's all I have.
0: I
1: also, I really Okay, so we just talked about uh, de and I and industry T. I really want to get Teresa's point of view on what she sees in motion for 2024 because i don't want i brought y'all the bad news but mm. this woman is an expert in deni so let what do you, mm-hmm. teresa please give me just give me hope just give me hope
4: <laughs> all right i'm bringing hope and um so i have some suggestions and some observations so Um, So one thing I would say is that leaders need to take their ego and their self-esteem out of this work. (laughs) Um, Mm. You know, systems have nothing to do with the individual. And we know that this world has been made up of white systems based on white supremacy. So it'll never be enough. It'll never be enough. You won't be celebrated for your efforts. And at a certain point, you have to accept that. And keep pushing forward, not reducing your budgets or blaming DE&I as the problem for you not achieving your goals. So you have to take your ego and your self-esteem out of it because it's never going to be enough. And I have to accept that as a leader, too, because I know it'll never be enough. And I can't take that as a personal dig on how well I'm performing. It is a constant reevaluation of the initiatives you're doing, where you're spending your money, the data you're pulling. You know, people want to just set the data as the representative at the representation level, but there is data that will that you can look at at the behaviors that are that are aiding not having representation on your teams for people not progressing in pay. And so um I think that you know DEI teams and People teams, HR teams have to work together um, because mm-hmm. DE&I tends to be uh, the closest to employee sentiment because, you know, we're advocates, yeah. we're advocates for the people. HR has historically been to protect the business. Business has profited mm-hmm. off white supremacy. And so, um, so I would say that um, the second thing I would say is, again, around data, like, you gotta re- you gotta look at the data you're pulling and not just keep it at the at at such a generic level of do we have represent you know is it ten you know thirteen percent representation of X like you you got to think a little deeper on that and then there has to be a shared accountability you mm-hmm. should not have just like this siloed one person DEI person that's you know, just working on activation months and fun training programs, it has to be embedded throughout the organization. And there has to be a shared accountability with the leadership. So after the election of Barack Obama, everybody had hope, people were flying high and they thought this country had changed, that we had evolved from, um, you know, from racism. and, 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 um, And then when Trump was elected, you know, you had many racialized white people being like oh my gosh like crying i mean i was crying in the streets you know um shocked (laughs) you know just in disbelief over how someone like this could be elected and so it was like this veil of denial that came you know that was lifted but not for black um i and i will specifically say black individuals i'm biracial latina a lot of us have adapted to racism and have adapted uh the ideals of white supremacy that there was an earning to this but anyway um i guess what i'm trying to say is that there is this like there is a new acceptance or a resistance to accepting what is in place mm. so it's hard it's hard to make these changes and you have to give up space yeah. you have to invest more that's what equity is if you see you know the little cartoons they have it it's not about making it equal it's about you're going to have to give mm. more to those who have been disproportionately disadvantaged or historically excluded and now that, and I just absolutely love that from people who have been who have been using their voices aren't letting up. And so my advice is, we just have to keep pushing forward. We cannot make it easy right. to go back to the status quo. Did y'all hear that? She said receipts,
1: timelines, <laughs> screenshots, <laughs> the data, receipts, proof, Press. timeline, screenshots everything
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's a further context to that that some of y'all won't get, but if you re- watch The Real Housewives of Salt Lake, you'll get it. If you know, you know. Tyra's just telling me about that. I need to watch this. Yeah, you do. Yeah, but, you do. But speaking of but, production, Eric's, our mm-hmm. production, Poppy. What is going mm-hmm. on in production in 2024?
5: Very first thing is, I don't know shit mm-hmm. about Real Housewives, so that's on you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh Three recommendations. My very first one is take small calculated risk. It could be very hard to market to Blacks and Latinos um, just because you're afraid of getting it wrong. So just take small calculated risk. Maybe it's just a small photo shoot uh, for an organic post. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it could be as easy as doing a poll where you're yeah. engaging your audience. Take for example country crock, right? I always think that there's a missed opportunity when you can take a country crock bin and ask the people, uh, "Can you guess what's in it? Is it butter or is it sancocho? Is it mm-hmm. butter or is it mm-hmm. leftover spaghetti or something? Whatever it is, you Hungry. know." But um, <laughs> that's one thing that Blacks and Latinos always have in their household. And when you go open the fridge, you don't know if it's actually butter. It could be something else. So I thought that was like a fun example of how to start marketing to us. Number two is test your ideas on your target audience. So if you have an idea that's pretty big and you're not clear of how it's going to land, you can always do storyboards and animatics, and then you can test them out with your audience. With your audience. One of the best things about InCrowd is that we are also tied to the black action group, which is an employee resource group within Oliver. When we have an idea, we take it to the black action group or we take it to our Latino ERG and we try to figure out, are we getting the message across? Is there something pretty concerning about this? Love that. Oftentimes if there is something wrong, they let us know and we can go back to the client with solutions. Uh, number three is find an ethical way to use AI mm. AI is big, it's not going anywhere but you can still find ethical ways to do it uh, to use it you can find ethical ways to use it I would say
2: mm-hmm.
5: if you want to do a test VO that's fine but when it comes to production hire a real voiceover artist mm. um, if you want a model for photography it's okay to put something on mid-journey and test it out. But then when you do the actual photo shoot, get an actual model. You know what I mean? I think we just started getting seats at the tables. Yeah. Um, we just started getting uh, doors open for our culture, for our people. Um, and it'll, it'll suck that if companies start using AI to start replacing us, you know, when we have real people that actually wanted an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's my third one.
0: I love that last tip, Erics, because I think as a black people or as Latine people, like we've been afraid of AI, like it's going to take away from our people. But how do we get ahead of the game and use it, you know, to our advantage? So I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing.
1: And speaking of AI, if you guys didn't listen to our AI episode with Angela Benton, you should probably check it out. We've got some great insights on how to market with marginalized people while leveraging AI. Cute little hot tip.
0: Boss, boss. She's innovative and yeah, she's the innovator in the space for sure. Without further ado, we wanna hear from the boss, the big boss of in Crowd. Wanna hear you know, your recommendations, your tips way forward for 2023, turning it over to Tyra Jones Hurst. Yeah. Ms. I feel Jones. like
2: I have something Miss <laughs> Jones, if you're nasty, just kidding. But if um, hey. I think it's, I think it's really cool to listen to what you guys have to say, because I feel like a lot of what I'm going to say builds on top of it, especially what Ari um, brought it uh, brought up at the beginning. Um, I think my first thing that I've learned Um, is considering an alternate POV and stepping outside of ourselves. I think that especially in the world post-pandemic, we're all super virtual. Um, Oliver as a company in and of itself has grown exponentially. There are so many capabilities. There are so many departments. There are so many teams. There's so much knowledge, um, which is super dope. And obviously things that we want to uphold and want to continue to have. But it gets very easy to work in a silo, to be a horse with blinders or on your hamster wheel or whatever other animal reference we have to put up front. And sometimes when problems arise or questions come up or challenges are faced, it can be an afterthought to step out. Outside of what you're experiencing and go to somebody. And I think that um, the, the Incard team is obviously a blessing because I have so many people that I can bounce ideas and thoughts and things off of, but I won't lie. There's definitely times where I didn't do that or where I didn't take that breath and you know, step outside of myself that I really needed to lean on my peers. Um, and my colleagues to give me some advice. So that is one major thing that I think not only did I learn it from last year, but that I'd obviously like to carry forward into 2024 and beyond. Um, I think the other thing is, how can you continue to be an active learner and participant in something? And I think that speaks to the AI conversation Mm -hmm. because it is coming. It is fast and furious. And I think that people of color and marginalized groups, we have consistently been on the back burner for a lot of things, but we are, you know, Mm -hmm. if you know better, you do better. Right. And if you don't know now, you know, Right. right. So we have all of the information and if, we sit back and don't take the time to be active learners and participants in the way forward of the world, then we will also have to be accountable to what that does to us and our community. So of course, other people have legwork to make sure that we're included. And that is that, but self-learning AI, massive. Listening to Gen Z, Available. If I open TikTok, they'd be teaching me every day and I'm not that old, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be like Debbie and say how old I am. But um, (laughs) being being in my 30s and also sponsoring uh, the Gen Z um, group, but working with Ari and listening to the people on my in crowd team. I am not a social media queen. I am not Miss Bree, Um, but I have so much to learn from that group. And I think sometimes as leaders, Or if you've been in a position of leadership for a long period of your life, which I have, sometimes you can be so used to sitting at the top of the pyramid that you forget about all the stuff happening at the bottom and your ear is not in the ground. And then you become this dictator and, you know, no one wants to listen to you anyways, but you also are not in touch anymore. Your teams don't value your opinions because you don't value their opinions. And I have so much to learn from the people who know more than I do. My skill set is being able to organize, collate, and drive things forward, not necessarily necessarily technology and social and what brands are doing and what we should be doing moving forward and AI and all these other things that I should be an active participant of. I think in one of the bag chats, since we keep plugging them in and yes, I'm Canadian. So I say bag funny if anybody heard that, but (laughs) um, in that chat, someone had put in that there was a mentor or somebody who's well into their senior leadership, let's say in their fifties and sixties, who has a mentor who is a Gen Z generation. And I thought that that was the coolest thing and such a small soundbite and such a small action that really kind of hit home for me where I was like, who Mm -hmm. could be my mentor? And Ari, I mean, we're going to have to talk after, but who can be my person to keep me up to date on things so that I don't get stale and old and become one of those employees who had a manager that I was like, ah, that almost swore classic Tyra moment, but Mm -hmm. not in this podcast. How do I Mm -hmm. not become that insert, whatever word you would like here, I'm just going to do this. And then production, you can like put a squiggle here. Um, so that I don't become that person because I would never want to become that manager that I looked at and rolled my eyes to. So I think that that point is mm-hmm. so connected to what Ari had to say about how we don't necessarily listen to the people who are the smartest in the categories that we're talking about. Gen Z is the subject mm-hmm. matter expert when it comes to social and what's happening. Why aren't we listening to them? Right. Things like that. Yeah. Um, Very important. How can I be more of an active learner and participant in things versus trying to control the room or control the outcome or be that leader? Because I don't have to lead everything. Um, And I think the other thing is do something different. Uh, again back to my hamster wheel horse blinders all the animal references that i said earlier how can i implement one thing different so that i don't just get stuck in routine and i need routine mm-hmm. um yeah. maybe it's my sun sign maybe it's my moon i don't know but regardless mm-hmm. i like to be able to know that i don't wake up at 5:30 cuz that's wild <laughs> but at 7:30 no i lied at 6:45 when my alarms start cuz they come about every 15 minutes mm-hmm. to let me know all the things i need to do but from 6:45 To nine, I have a routine, and then from nine to seven, I have a routine, and seven onwards, I have a routine. But how do I step outside of that routine or implement one thing different all of the time so that I can stay fresh Mm -hmm. and stay motivated and let my brain have a little bit of exercise to do something different? Because, to I think Debbie, you had mentioned this before, Ari, Eric's, Teresa, literally everything changes constant, Mm -hmm. it's going to keep happening, Mm -hmm. and if you resist that, then you resist life. And honestly, who wants Mm -hmm. to resist life if you're trying to live it to your fullest? So, I think that that is probably those are probably the three things that I um have learned and will do so I'm always going to try and consider an alternate point of view I'm always going to try and learn how to be more of an active participant and listener and whatever it is that I'm doing and I'm going to try to do one thing different now this is January and it is usually new year new me all that <laughs> kind of bullshit there's my swear word for this podcast but um <laughs> I think that that is something that is so doable and consistent and i will add how i think you can do that with our tips and tricks that we're going to share a little bit later but i'm going to pass Mm -hmm. the mic back to our dope ass hosts maybe two swear words this time um Uh, but brie and debbie that's that's my builds for y'all
0: and how about the same us new behaviors yes same
2: us new behaviors
0: love that yes brie turn in well First, before we move on to the listener letters, everybody had great points, and I hope our listeners can take something from this amazing conversation. I'm excited for the new year. I mm-hmm. feel the new energy on this team for the new year. A lot of lessons learned. Yeah. Um, so, with that, thank you guys for all of your uh, recommendations and um, perspectives. So, with that, Brie, take us through the listener letters for this episode. <laughs> <coughs> Um, my check, my check, my check. Yes. Okay.
1: <laughs> the question is, am I the a-hole for wanting a better work-life balance at my job? I, 25F, am a Latina ju- junior art director at a lifestyle brand. I'm the youngest person there and my associates never let me forget it. I avidly get passive aggressive remarks about my generation being lazy anytime there's news about student loan debt or the housing market. It usually doesn't bother me, but I've been grappling with a dilemma. I love my job but the constant Hmm. hustle culture is taking a toll on me. I Mm -hmm. care about maintaining productivity, but it feels like every moment is expected to be a working one, especially because I design for social. It's the new year and I'm already feeling burnt out. I'm also the only person of color on my team. So how can I push for a healthy work culture without jeopardizing my career, Progression or be perceived as lazy.
2: Hmm. These are y'all have that ticker out already. I'm going to answer the first part of the question. Fuck no, (laughs) you are not wrong for prioritizing your work-life balance. I think that that is such a fair um, and probably common scenario that a lot of people are feeling right now Mm -hmm. is you know, moving into the soft life that Ari Ari, talked about a little bit earlier on where Gen Z kind of wants to be. And then millennial, I'm going to say older millennial. And what's the one before us? Gen X. I'm not older millennial. Let me not again. I'm like the early one, but um, Gen X. So yes, those two cultures, they definitely do have, you know, the hustle side of things for the Gen X and older millennials. Mm -hmm. And then you have soft light of Gen Z. And I think that people trying to balance and figure out where they fall is definitely a point of tension that's happening right now. But I don't think that you're ever, ever in the wrong for prioritizing work-life balance. I think the truth of the matter is, I mean, there's lots of memes that are going around on social that, you know, if you died tomorrow, your work's going to replace you about a minute later. The job postings are usually up right away. Um, or, you know, not taking your vacation time or PTO, prepare the others, all these kind of jokes that have been going around about prioritizing ourselves. And I think that both you, um, Brie and Debbie spoke uh, to it earlier in the podcast as well about the tolls it has on your, your health. And you both talked about your physical health, but there's also your mental health, which is for sure something that I experienced um, last year as well. I think you have to prioritize yourself because if you don't put yourself first, nobody else will. Um, but I think there's also a balance between obviously work and being able to prioritize prioritize what you need in your life and what work needs for you to deliver. And I actually think end of December, early Jan is the best time to make those concessions and make those decisions because that's the time for you to calendarize your comfort. Decide what your boundaries are going to be and what you need them to be. And again, boundaries are things you can control and that you have in front of you that aren't going to impact the whole team but also if you give people enough time to plan then we all should be able to work around your needs and what you have i have two dogs um follow at excuse me sir no i'm kidding um but i have two french bulldogs so my team knows very very well that like every single day i take an hour lunch break and i don't skimp on that because they have to walk and so yes i did rely on them to help me get out of my chair but um that is something that's in my team's calendars and if i need to shift it around to put meetings i'll do that but i will never just kind of disappear that that 15 minutes, right? right? I put working blocks in my calendars. I know that I always need the last two weeks of December off. And I also need my birthday off in August. Shout out to all the Leos. Like there are things that I know that if I don't put in place, I will crumble. And those are the things that you can plan ahead of and be really, really stringent on. And then think about things that you can be a little bit more flexible on. And I don't think you have to tell everybody what those are, but what are your non-negotiables and what are your negotiables that you can hold your Yourself to your own code of conduct on how you want to operate in your life. And to Debbie's point, maybe you travel. And in all honesty, we're so remote right now that it's so possible for you to be able to do that. You can get up and go somewhere and work somewhere else. And hopefully you have a manager that takes that into account and you have a work ethic and have proven yourself as the kind of worker who can maintain your team's priorities and their objectives while also being comfortable and being able to live your life at the same time. So I think that you have to also reflect in your own repetition own reputation and how you show up in spaces. Are you at a point in your life and your career where you have exemplified time and time again that you can be somebody that can be counted on where you can put boundaries up because people know you'll still get your shit done? Tick yeah. number 2, I think in that response. But um or are you not that person? And if you're not that person, how can you become that person so that you can create more boundaries for your comfort and have more of that work-life balance? And think about what's going to calm you. Like at the end of the day when my heart is going a mile a minute and I'm I'm super stressed and I have a shit ton to do. I'm going to do a yoga class and I'm going to remember to breathe in and out because as simple as that is, I seem to forget to do it all the time. So what are also the things that are going to bring you back down to earth and keep you going um, and, and and make you happy? Because that's super important and never, ever, ever um, feel bad about prioritizing your happiness And you're off because, I mean, you're going to be working, hopefully not for the rest of your life, but as long as you are working, you want it to be um, a peaceful and happy time um, because it is a large part of um, your years, to be completely honest. Teresa, I see you. I'm going to pass the mic to you, girl.
4: Yeah, no, I agree with everything you said. And I like that you didn't um, make it into a utopia of, yeah, you know, just take that time and fight for that flexibility um, because all of us hustled <laughs> at that mm-hmm. age, um, and had to make a lot of concessions around schedule and doing more jobs, wearing more hats. Yep. It is part of um, when you come out of college and, and you, you get a job, there has to be that grit. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. people of color, we have to do it even more. Mm-hmm. And then we have our own demons of not feeling good enough. So we um, mm-hmm. You know, there's there's that. So I, I really empathize with this um, with this uh, writer, um, because even being a Latina in an art director or junior art director role, she's already facing being com- very underrepresented in a function yep. as a woman and as a person of color. Um, so shout out to you. Yeah. Um, Teresa, I also want to point out they're also the
1: youngest person person at their company as well, right? So they're facing what a lot of people don't want to
4: acknowledge right now, ageism. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And having there's a bias, and damn it, I wish I can. um, I think it's called tightrope bias, where you you always have to constantly be proving yourself. Mm. Um, anyway, I wish I had that mm-hmm. prepared to be able to say that. But there's, so I'll say that to people, if I add another tip, learn, keep learning about the biases that exist. Um, but what I was going to say to this person is, um, number one, y- you know, I guess I would say, there's like inner work, right? Start we most of us started this yeah. journey in our 30s and I hope you start it in your 20s where that inner work where you can trust that your outputs do not define you and your value as a person. Yeah. So, I know that's a little woo-woo, but start that's doing true. that work where you know that you are enough, you give enough yep. and um yeah. So, and the reason I say that is because there was a long time where I never thought I did enough. I could be giving, giving, giving. And I still, if I didn't get that external validation outside of myself, I didn't feel like it was enough. So I would keep on with that machine of overdoing. So um, do the work. um, And I would say, again, logistically, it's okay to take your vacation. Your vacation, your personal days, your sick days, Those are part of your compensation. And if you work at a company that that frowns against you taking time off, that is part of your value proposition at your company. Mm -hmm. It's not the right company because that's some BS. So take your time off. um, Plan your vacation days. Don't be afraid to send that email to say that you're going to be taking some time off. And then maybe look for someone um, a little bit more senior that you trust to help you with a handoff, mm-hmm. because there's nothing better than an employee that can actually prepare for that time off, yeah. which everyone on this call is like bomb when it comes to doing things like that. Um, but what does your handoff look like as you prepare to leave so that you could really exit? You don't have to be checking emails or being yeah. that point person when you're out of the office.
2: Okay. I was going to, breathe. thank you for bringing up that age part because I totally forgot to address that part. Mm -hmm. As somebody who has consistently been one of the younger people in whatever role I've been in, this part Mm -hmm. might be my utopian part, Teresa, but just like, forget about it. Ignore it. Dust that shit off because at the end of the day, not your circus, not your clowns. People are always going to complain and talk about the this generation this or the one before that handle your business do what you're supposed to do and eventually they will learn that your your age means nothing in the way that you show up for your team so I mean that one is I think the smallest part perhaps of what you shared in the letter but I would just let that go because people are going to play whether it's your race whether it's your sexuality whether it's your gender whether it's your whatever 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 people Mm -hmm. will pinpoint and put all problems attached to that identity let that part of it go is what I would say. I don't know if the D&I queen would say something differently, yeah. but that's how I feel about the age thing.
4: Yeah, no, yeah. and I guess I was going to say that, you know, think about your boundaries and yeah. they don't have to come all mm-hmm. at once. They don't have to be hard and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a, you know, mm-hmm. a still, you know, but you, you have to be able to be flexible just yeah. in in this type of working um, business. But, you know, slowly but surely start putting those boundaries in place. If it's taking your lunch Mm -hmm. time or, you know, make stuff up. Say you have certain things Mm -hmm. that you have commitments at certain days, you know, they don't need to know your life. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody deserves to have a life. And and usually our boundaries are, usually we break our own boundaries first. I know that's easier said than done when you're first starting out in your career. But Mm -hmm. if you don't honor your boundaries... No, right. no one is going to honor your boundaries. So
0: I love that, Teresa. And it um, it motivated me to share a recommendation. So my bomb therapist recommended this book called Set Boundaries, Find Peace. It is by a, a, a black author. So that book is a great book. And what you said also had me thinking of a a, a quote from Caroline Wanga, who is the CEO of Essence. That's been circulating around social media, which is never change who you are for where you are, change Mm. where you are for who you are. So I think that is like all encompassing of if you try to make all of those changes and you still are not in an atmosphere that's helping you, you know, um, like literally uh follow your own boundaries then it might be time you know to look for a place that will um support you in the type of life you're trying to live not just where you work but the type of person you want to be mm-hmm. the type of uh life you're trying to live and how you want to bring yourself the human element of yourself to your job yeah. um so yeah. thank you so much Tyra and Teresa I'm going to uh turn it over to Bree to kind of wrap us up
1: Kyra, Teresa, thank you so much for your insight on the listener letter. I hope our listeners found some value and good insight on how they should move forward when it comes to trying to find a better work-life balance. Don't forget to send your MWM letters to social at incrowd.agency or shoot us a DM at the incrowd and we may feature you on one of our episodes. I'd love to close the show by sharing our one last pro tip for 2024. I'll go first. In 2024 brands, I want you to listen and listen closely. Agencies too. When you are looking to hire social media people in 2024, please Please, please, in the job listing, do not have 50 11 skills and requirements and different pieces of knowledge that you need somebody to know how to do. Social media is not graphic design, video editing. I do all that, I'm a unicorn. (laughs) But that does not, that's not the minimum requirement for a social media manager. I think we need to reevaluate and look at what the ask is for all of these different roles and requirements and come up with different roles for those requirements. If you need an editor to create or edit TikToks, hire an editor, your social media manager is already busy with the analytics, the recommendations it the list the list goes on, and that, like we said, is not healthy for us. That's where we start thinking we need to work twenty four seven. So with that being said, I think we need to change the way we hire social media managers because the expectation is too high.
2: Tyra? Um, I don't have that for brands or companies or whatever. Mine is going to be to the people who work in day in and out, whether you're in marketing or anywhere else. But I would say calendarize your comfort, prioritize breaks and breathing room so that you can take it for the long haul. It's the long game, not the short sprint.
3: Mm. I'll go next. My pro tip is a production pro tip for all social media managers, anybody with a camera phone wipe your phone screen. It (laughs) will do, it will do a lot. It will do a lot for you because the content we can tell when it's not clean. So it's not always about editing. It's literally just taking your, you know, sleeve, dusting it off and you're good to go. Windex. Invest in it. Yes. Or lens wipes.
0: I touched on this earlier, but treat yourself kindly, prioritize, kind of like what Tyra was saying, kind of mm-hmm. like what I was saying early on, but um, you only have one body, one mind, one soul. So put yourself first and figure out how you can show up as yourself, the healthy version at your job in whatever role you have. With that, I'll turn it over to Teresa. All
4: right. Um... My pro tip is to not fire your heads of DE&I or blame your de
2: <laughs> On
4: uh, on why this. you're not mm-hmm. meeting your goals. In fact, invest in them, invest in their uh, mental health, invest in your employees' mental mm-hmm. health and uh, lean into the discomfort. And again, take your ego out of the work. It doesn't always feel good. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't if you have been benefiting from white supremacy.
2: Mm. Mm. And, and shameless plug to the article that um, Queen T did with Campaign Magazine, which we can include yes. in ever link so you guys can go read up on um, some of her genius mic drop moments and some other champions in the DNI space. No. But no. don't fire the D&I people. We need them. Do don't. It.
0: I think we all need to say that one time In case they in didn't hear it the first do and second hear time
2: hear What um Should we do harmonies like who's gonna um, Eric's you on bass <laughs> <laughs> Debbie you got alto yeah Don't all right. Don't Don't, 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 don't I'm
4: Tony Braxton. Come on now. Yeah.
2: You gotta do this then if you're gonna be usher. Don't fire
5: the beast. I'm telling you something. I'm telling you something.